What it do, what it do. Welcome back, Sour Crew. It's your boy, Soul. <laughs> AKA, my name's not Lemon. I just recorded this whole intro, and I didn't click record. So here I am. So I'm just jumping in, in the beginning of this podcast, which I'm sure is going to be super disorienting, because I believe the quality that <laughs> I'm speaking in right now is probably a lot better than usual. Anyways... This episode is actually a re-upload of episode 8 of the podcast. So back in episode 8, I actually was going through a lot. When am I not going through a lot? And I was just super frustrated, so I just wanted to sit down and relax. And I ended up recording this podcast episode just talking into my phone. No mic, no nothing, just speaking. And I actually really like how it turned out. I ended up, the following day, I ended up recording a video format of it and then uploading that one but i do think i like what i had to say in this kind of off the pill off the cup recording on the whim if you will although you're gonna get pretty much the same information because i did write down what i wanted to say so there is a light script that goes along with it but there's a little bit more information in here and for me personally i really do think that i needed to here setting boundaries and the benefits you get from setting said boundaries and if you have any advice on how to set boundaries setting them and keeping them set please let me know hit me up in the dms my name is not lemon my personal melancholy and halos the podcast and if you're watching this on youtube please comment in the comment section below i really need some advice so hopefully today's episode teaches you something and you take something out of it i hope you enjoy until next time sour crew <laughs> what it do what it do welcome back sour crew it's your boy soul aka my name is not lemon i'm so glad to have you guys back today so for today's episode i think we're gonna teeter between melancholia and halos perfect right for today's theme we're going to be talking about normalizing boundaries and healthy relationships. Now, you could be close to a person, best friends with a person. You could be in love with a person. It does not mean you know everything about them and in turn means you do not know all of their boundaries unless you ask. Now, you do not need to know the source of said boundary. You just need to know what it is. So that way that person feels comfortable with you and you treat that person with respect and in turn build a healthy relationship with them now what are boundaries a boundary is something that indicates bounds or limits a line that marks the limits of an area if we want to use something simplistic for example to describe what a boundary is let's look at video games when you're in a video game and you're on a level you can run into an imaginary wall and your character just runs into place and it's like running into nothing. It just stops moving, right? Those are the bounds of that level that the game developers put into place so you do not go further than what they want you to go, where they expect you to go. Because once you do that, it deteriorates or it distracts from the gameplay. They only intend for you to be in the bounds of that level to experience what they want you to experience going out of those bounds will cause glitches 
will cause crashes to the game. And there's nothing to do over there, right? So stay in those bounds to have a happy, fun time playing the game for what's, what it's intended to do. Let's get into more about what boundaries are. Healthy boundaries are those boundaries that are set to make sure you're mentally, physically, and emotionally stable. Why? If you have limits to what you will do, limits to what you will allow people to do to you, it helps and ensures that you do not take damage. Let's go into more detail with this. If you do not like to be touched and you set those boundaries with everybody you meet early on, oh, like I don't do hugs. Uh, I don't like to be touched. It's just something I really don't like. Um, Have a handshake, you know, have a high five, have a verbal greeting. That ensures that you're not going to, no one's going to mix that up with you in the future. And it's making sure that no one passes that boundary and makes you feel uncomfortable. If you have boundaries with... Hmm. If you have boundaries with yourself... And you know, I cannot allow myself to open up completely to a person really quickly because I'll become attached. And if it doesn't work out because the relationship is so new and we don't know where it's going to go, I'm going to hurt myself. So if you have boundaries set for yourself in terms of emotions because you know you're going to get attached and you want to take things slowly, you are then protecting yourself from becoming hurt later on now of course you don't want to be completely emotionally closed off you just want to take things a little bit slower there are some people that could throw all throw out all their emotions and then the relationship or friendship or whatever it may be not work out and they're fine and that's good for them but with some people it's not like that A complete lack of boundaries may indicate that we don't have a strong identity and are enmeshed with someone else. What does that mean, right? Not having a strong identity. Let's look at what healthy boundaries do for someone. Healthy boundaries establish one's identity. What does that mean? When you have boundaries, which are limits to what you will do and what you will allow others to do to you, It starts to form how people perceive and see you, your identity. Going back to the hug or to the physical touch. If you do not like physical touch and you set those boundaries right away so that everyone you come into contact with and meet knows and you meet someone that their love language is physical touch, they're very, they're huggers, right? When they meet, when they see, they hug. When they show affection, they hug, but they know that you do not like physical touch then in their head it becomes part of your identity of who you are it becomes a uniqueness to you and in turn it will require them 
to show their love, their compassion, their affection in a different way for you, towards you. Establishing your identity with others and with yourself. Healthy boundaries also define your individuality. Now, boundaries are specific to you, which makes you unique. It makes you an individual. You yourself do not like physical touch. That's unique to you. When you're in a friend group and you're the only one that doesn't appreciate physical touch, that's unique to you. It's your individuality. If you know that you do not like to be physical in any way, shape, or form, you're probably going to be a lot slower to build that type of connection with someone. And it isn't for maybe a couple of months to a couple of years where you're hugging up, laying up on someone, cuddle, cuddle, whether they be a lover, whether it be a friend, family. And people will see that and be like, oh, they're really close because they don't get close to anybody like that. They don't allow anybody else to touch them but family. So this person must be mean a lot to them. That is defining your individuality. Healthy boundaries also indicate what they will or what someone will and will not hold themselves responsible for. This is so, so important. If you have boundaries with other people, it is showing that you will not be responsible for what's out of those boundaries. If you do not like physical touch, again, keep on this same example, and you're in the workplace, and you do not allow anybody to touch you in the workplace, you are setting a boundary and saying that you will not be responsible for if somebody touches you or if you touch them, right? You never know if someone's going to appreciate that touch and what can lead from, from it. They could become really uncomfortable. They can file a claim with HR. You're not going to be responsible for that. So you're setting those boundaries now. In turn, if someone is touching on you and it makes you uncomfortable, you're not going to face the responsibilities of feeling that way because you set those boundaries. Don't touch me. Right? So you are setting the tone of not being responsible for those feelings that you would feel if somebody crossed your boundaries. Now, what do poor boundaries do? Poor boundaries or the lack of boundaries lead to resentment, anger, burnout, stress, financial burdens, wasted time, and relationship issues, which in turn can cause mental distress. So, we can use me for an example. One of my friends, I feel as though we do not see eye to eye in our morals and in our values and the way we run ourselves and run our lives. That's okay. We're different people. We think differently. It doesn't mean I can't be their friend. But it does mean that I am not used to speaking with someone that is so different from I. And in turn, it is hard for me to understand where they're coming from. It is hard for me to really grasp 
how they think and do the things they do because of the consequences that come with it. In turn, it makes me angry that they get themselves into situations where I think they shouldn't get themselves into. It causes resentment because I feel as though they can be better. It causes burnout because talking to them takes so much energy for me. It causes me stress because their lives seem to be extremely stressful and I think it could be avoided. I feel like it causes me wasted time because whatever I say, whatever advice I give goes in one year out the other because we are just different people and in turn causes us to have relationship issues because we're too different, right? And it causes me mental distress because all the things I just said to you are some type of emotion and they're making me negative, causing me myself mental distress, which I'm sure they're just fine, right? Now, as for financial burdens, I would see this more as with family. If you don't have boundaries with family and money and they borrow from you and they take from you and they want this and they want that, you're more likely to lose out on money, right? I think a lot of us can attribute to that or we could we experience something similar let's look what healthy boundaries could do for us healthy boundaries help people make decisions based on what is best for them not just the people around them so healthy boundaries will help us to make decisions that are best for us and not best for those around us and then it leaves us lacking so for example let's go back to the physical touch physical touch with a coworker, setting that boundary will ensure that your physical and mental health stays intact and healthy when you are touched physically and you do not like it it makes you uncomfortable what can happen when you're uncomfortable you can sweat right it causes you maybe just regular sweating or cold sweats that nasty sweats you just you hate it it can cause you aches Stomach problems, because we know stress and anxiety can cause stomach problems. It can cause you breathing problems because it makes you very nervous, very anxious. And those are physical things that can happen to you caused by mental stress, right? Mental worry, mental stress. You start to avoid You avoid that person. Maybe you avoid the areas that they are in. Maybe you start avoiding your own workplace. You get paranoid because you're always on the lookout. Where are they? Are they coming? You always have to, you know, do some double takes. You start double guessing yourself. You start doubting. And it makes the environment that you're in extremely uncomfortable. And all that mental stress causes physical stress as well. But if you have those boundaries up, you protect yourself and you protect your place of work, you protect your environment, you protect your physical health as well as your mental health. Those are the power of boundaries. Now that we've gotten what boundaries are and what they look like, I'm specifically going to be going into a specific topic. And that topic is how our current trends in mass media in general are extremely toxic. Toxic AF. Now, how are our how is our mass media 
toxic? And how does that affect our boundaries and healthy relationships? First, let's get into what toxic means. Toxic is defined as poisonous, very harmful, or unpleasant in a pervasive or insidious way. Pervasive meaning, especially of an unwelcome influence or physical effect, spreading widely throughout an area or a group of people. Insidious meaning, proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with harmful effects. Now, what we know about social media and mass media in general is that it's slow and gradual in changing the way we behave and the way we think. Trends are slow to catch on, but they catch on. The more people that do them, the more trendy it gets. The more we see it, the more we like it. The more we accept it, the more we're comfortable with it. It's gradual. What I wanted to jump into first in terms of mass media is music. Because I feel as though music is one of the biggest things, the most worldwide spread media that we have that can affect a lot of people at the same time. What I'm going to be talking about is materialism or being materialistic, the money, the objects, the fame, the flashiness, being icy, right? So I took a look at my playlist and I wanted to see if there was anything in my playlist that as an unmaterialistic person, I have in there, right? Am I an unmaterialistic person? Yes. If I had the money, would I be a materialistic person? I believe I would to an extent. I love chains. You know, chain bracelets. Like, I would definitely have some gold chains wrapped around my neck. I'm not going to lie. I've always liked that shit. I would definitely, and I think I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, that I believe that I have read or watched somewhere that it's stated that depressed people tend to buy and collect things because it makes them feel happy so i would definitely collect i would collect a lot of video games that i like a lot of albums music that i like probably a bunch of things that i i deem comfortable and cute like stuff stuffed animals and stuff that i could like use as pillows things like that definitely i used to collect shoes right not anything expensive but i used to like you know dressing nice you know and having options maybe a little bit too much so in my playlist i found a song by lisa lisa being an artist that is in the extremely popular korean k-pop group blackpink she just came out with a single and accompanied with that single was another song this song is called money so i put it in my playlist because i wanted to check it out see if i liked it and this song lisa talks about the high amount of money she makes how she loves it, and how she spends it on whatever she wants, whenever she wants. Now, if you don't know anything about Blackpink, you've never heard the name. Blackpink is an extremely successful girl group. And their company in particular hadn't been pushing them the way they should have been. And they were kind of quiet for most of their conception for the past couple of years not really doing anything and even then they were still one of the most popular groups out there one of the most popular artists out there that's insane so you know they're making bank they're making the guap honey in 
one of the lyrics in her song, it says, Celine, my shoes, walking on you, my money rules. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Celine correct. It's a brand. But Celine being a French luxury brand that Lisa became an ambassador for in September of 2020. Lisa states that the brand, like herself, isn't afraid of reinventing itself and that Celine pieces boost her charisma and confidence, making her feel empowered. This whole song, Money, is about the empowerment of money and how it makes boss bitch energy. What does it say about us when our empowerment, confidence, and attitude is embedded in the money we make and not from within ourselves? Now let's take a look at this. This whole song, Lisa is talking about how she's rich as fuck and how she can do whatever the fuck she wants because of how much money she makes. Now, I think all of us can say, hell motherfucking yeah, we're trying to get on that level. We're trying to make enough money that we're living comfortable too. And we could be a little bit lavish with ourselves and buy and spend what we want. Not necessarily being quadruple millionaires, not necessarily being a billionaire. Just having enough money to be comfortable and to be able to not have to worry about living paycheck to paycheck. I think that's what the majority of of us would like. And so I feel like a lot of us can relate to this song. Now, what she says about the luxury luxury brand that she's an ambassador for and how it makes her confident and boosts her charisma and it makes her feel empowered. Why does a materialistic object, something that is tangible, why does it take that to make you feel empowered? Why does it boost your confidence and why... Does it help with your charisma? How come you can't do that for yourself? And in turn, let's take a look at ourselves. Why do we as people feel as though our fashion and what we wear, our jobs and what we do, how much money we're bringing to the table, what we're driving? Why does that indicate how confident we're allowed to be? how cocky we're allowed to be, how much we're able to peacock, what we're able to flaunt with ourselves. Why are those materialistic, tangible objects what make us worthy, what make us better? Why is that? Why can't it be from within? Why can't we love ourselves and know the type of person we are and like our personality and why can't that make us confidence why can't that make us bad bitches why can't that foster our attitude why can't that make us cocky why does it have to be what people can see outright out front why does it have to be what everybody else thinks of us why can't it be what we think of ourselves If our happiness come or whatever we're proud of, our attitudes, if all of that has to come from an outside source, whether it be the gym and working out, gardening and how your garden looks, your social media presence, 
your photography, your hobbies. If we get our joy, happiness, attitude, confidence from these outside sources, once those sources are taken away from us, what then? What happens to us? Where do we go from there? What becomes of us if those sources that we get our personality, our personas from, are no longer there to take from? What becomes of us? But if us ourselves were to get those things from within, can they ever be taken from us? Let's use me for an example. I do worry about money and job. I feel as though because I don't have a job, because I'm not making money, I am worthless. I am less than. I am less than you. I am less than everyone around me. I am not contributing to my family, society, myself. I beat myself up about that all the time. But I love the person I am. I love my personality. I love that I am a kind person. I love that I am a giving and nurturing person. I love that I am optimistic. My confidence comes from who I am as a person. It comes from within. So though I beat myself up about job, about career, about where I should be in life, that is an outside source. But whenever it comes from trying to make myself feel better, it comes from within. Who I am, how I treat others, how I treat myself, how I am as a friend, how I am as a family member. Do I like those parts of me? And if I do, then what more can I ask for? Because those outside sources will come and go. They will change. But I, myself, will remain the same. Will I grow as a person? Yes. Will my morals, values, and ideals change as I grow? Absolutely. But I will love myself for who I am. And that will go unchanged. Because as I grow, as I evolve, as I learn, as I experiment with new ideals, I will always love who I am. And if I don't, if something rubs me the wrong way about myself, then I will work on myself to figure out why that is and to change whatever that is. Wherever the source is inside of me that is making me hate a part of myself, I will seek it out, I will identify it, and I will change and or modify it to accurately represent how I would like to see myself and in turn fall back in love with me. 
Now, this song is really interesting. It's a song I've been feeling for, I want to say a couple of weeks, but I'm not even sure how long it's been out. But it's really been on my radar. Now, this song is called Stud by Troy Sivan. This one is going more into not the materialism that I was talking about and the tangible, but the untangible. What is in your mind? The feelings, right? Your mentality. Now, if you are not a part of the LGBTQ plus community, the gay community, if you do not have any gay friends or people around you, this may not apply to you. So I'm going to try my best to explain it. In the gay community, it is extremely, extremely, and I can only speak on man on man, man on man, right? It's extremely superficial. How do you look? Are you extremely buff, muscular, athletic? Are you extremely skinny and twinky? If you are not, you will then fall into a category and you will be judged based on that category. Either you're buff and you're hot, right? You're muscular, you go to the gym, or you're extremely fat and you're put into a bear category. You're old and put into a daddy category. You're young. Mm. That could be problematic. I mean, at least hopefully you're above the age of 18. But people who are very young are sought after. But let's use me for an example. If you're like me, average height, 5'8". Average body, I'm scrawny, but I'm chubby. Like I got, I got a gut. I got some boobs. All my fat is in my torso area. I'm seen as being confident. Right. If I were straight, I would probably be an average Joe. And I would probably have no problems getting into a relationship, if I'm being honest. Because I believe women, straight women, are conditioned to love a man for how that man is. Whereas in the gay community, it's very judgmental, homophobic. Yeah, we can be homophobic to ourselves. Racist extremely toxic i believe as us as gay men of course not everybody but i think a majority of us come with a hell of a lot of trauma and we wear that trauma on our sleeves and we share that trauma with each other and therefore take it out on each other because it's harder to deal with your traumas yourself but it's easier to take them out on other people so with that being said and this song called Stud by Troy Sivan, the lyrics go, hey stud, you can come, you can come and meet me out front. You got all the muscles and features I want, and I want what I want, my love. Now, this makes me think of like meeting up. You get on a dating app, trying to hook up, or you the conversation goes well and you want to meet up right away because you feel as though if you don't meet up right away, it's going to go away. You have to rush. You have to rush because this is not going to last. Nothing ever lasts for us. And it says, you got all the muscles and features I want. Because in the gay community, you have to look a certain type of way to be desirable. Mostly muscular and white. Hey, tough. What's it like to be so big and strong and so buff? Everything I'm not. But can I still be a hunk to you? enough for you a stud to you 
Troy is stating, I am nothing you're not. I am skinny. Maybe I'm shorter than you are. I am not the definition of a stud of a hunk. But do you still see me as desirable? Taking the fun out of fucks. Searching for something I'm not. Knowing that you're not the one. How much of me would you take? How and how much of me would you change? On second thought, don't say a thing. Because you're the one for right now. Am I enough for you? Am I? Would you allow me to believe so? But in turn, would you start to change me? If I started dating you and you knew I had a big old belly if I had a gut, would you lie to me and say that I was desirable but start trying to get me to work out? Just let me believe that you like what you're seeing when you're looking at me and your heartbeat is speeding. At 700 miles down hideways to Eden, like my body's the apple you've eaten. Do not tell me that you think I'm super confident because I am able to be shirtless in front of you and not have a body that you desire. Tell me that I am so desirable that you will go against Father God's words and take a bite out of me. With this song, it's a great song. <laughs> it's a great song, by the way. I highly recommend check it out. I think it really touches on how gay men see themselves in the gay community. Even if you are super buff and you are handsome and you are desirable, I guarantee that person is still going to have some type of self-confidence issues with themselves. Because that's just what it's like in the gay community. It takes a lot to love yourself. And for like myself, if you do, you're a rare sight, a unicorn apparently. You get told to your face how different you are and how you're not like the others. And in turn, sadly, you're probably more prone to getting attacked by people coming at you sideways. And I feel as though it's because I was new to the gay community and new to dating as of 2020. So it's only been a year, what, like a year and a half, almost two years. I saw firsthand how the gay community was and how it treated other people. And I started changing myself, changing how I would react, changing what I would do to fit in. And I fell victim to the social media, to mass media specifically gay media, gay social media, letting it consume me and dictate what I would do. And I started doing what the masses did. I started being extremely sexual, sending nudes all the time. It's not a hi, hello, how are you? It's a hi, what do you have to offer me sexually? What do you have to, what does your body look like? Is it acceptable for me? And if it is, let's continue to talk. That's toxic as fuck. Where's the personality? Where are the, where's the person? You're not dating the body. 
you're dating the individual. And we don't allow ourselves to get to know a person. We just want the surface level. And once we get it, and then we start to learn who this person is, it never lasts because you were never in love with the person. You never wanted the person. You wanted what they had to offer surface level. So what does that say for us? And this is not only this does not only apply to the gay community, to the straight community as well. Especially on dating apps. A lot of youth, a lot of people are using dating apps to date and to meet people. And so what does it say about us if we're judging person judging a person based on something so superficial as their photos, as the way they write in their bio, and the way that they text? It makes things a lot more difficult. If you ever connected with someone on social media and met up with them in person, sometimes they're completely different. Either they're not what you expected them to be, they were a lot more charismatic in text or on social media than they were in person, or it's the complete opposite. And in person, they're a completely different person, and you get on with them a lot better. It's extremely hard to judge someone based on the photos they take, how they choose to describe themselves, and how they text. It's also extremely problematic to only judge a person based on how their body looks. You never know. You can fall madly in love with a person that isn't your ideal type personality goes a long way because at the end of the day you're going to be living with a personality not with a body now moving on from music and jumping into another form of medium we're going to go into social media in general now i was watching the podcast jumpers jump if you haven't I highly recommend you check it out. It's amazing. So fun. So, I've been watching a lot of Jumpers Jump lately. A bunch of episodes back to back. And in this podcast, the host Carlos and co-host Gavin talk about the current state of trends. And I thought it was really interesting and it fit into today's theme. Now, these dudes got to be around 20, 21 years old. Very much still the youth and just out of high school. The co-host Gavin talked about wanting a million Instagram followers and a blue check mark to feel as though he was on the same playing field and the same level as the celebrities he admires and looks up to. I feel as though this is a common mindset and mentality for the youth. And what I mean for the youth, I'm thinking like around their age and younger, but it could be like 24 and lower, right? So for people who are older maybe 25 plus which i fall into that category being 26 social media was being built and it was growing with us while for the youth like carlos and gavin for them social media was and is it was a norm for them while for us the older folk We got to see social media grow. We used MySpace and saw MySpace fall. We saw Facebook 
the rise of it. When we're on MySpace, I remember jumping on Facebook when it was still extremely new. So this had to be back in what, 2007? Around there? And I remember my friends saying Facebook was for old people. Nobody used Facebook. It was all about MySpace. And then next thing you know, Facebook fucking hops on. With MySpace dying, Facebook got a lift. I remember jumping on Instagram when it was still new. And people were posting with those super ugly ass filters. And people didn't understand Instagram. And then it popped off. I remember jumping on Twitter when the only people you could follow were like Ashton Kutcher and shit. And then Twitter was viewed as like, what, like a little diary? You just talk about what you ate that day? Boring. And then it popped off. We got to see these social media platforms. Boring. Grow, evolve, and then become a norm. We got to see people jump on these platforms. And with their creative minds, with their business minds, with their analytical minds create and form what we know them as today for the youth they grew up and once they figured out what social media was and was old enough to use it it was already established for them so for us older folk we knew life before we knew trends from before we knew ideologies and mentalities from before social media. Then we knew them on social media and with social media. The youth only know their trends, their mentalities, their thought processes with social media already being established. We have something to counteract what we see. We have, uh, well, it was like this way, but now it's like this way. And so let me compare the two and figure something out. And get to a a healthy balance and medium. What does the youth have? Because they can't do that. Because they didn't know anything before. Mentals and mentalities. Will form around social media and mass media. Because what else is there for them to consume? Nothing. These toxicities that were created with prolonged use of social media leaked in and formulated the youth's minds and also some adults, also us. We fall victim to it as well. And it takes us taking a step back or being jolted outwards for us to really see social media and mass media for how it is. And getting older really helps with that. And it sucks to say that it takes getting older to see it. So what happens to these youths? What do we tell them? How do they grow? How do they get out of that? So one of the things I'm going to take a look at in terms of media, social media in general, more specifically, I mean, is cancel culture. I know you heard the word. So cancel culture would be, if I could put it into a definition, a group of like-minded or mob mob mentality liked people get together and attack an individual or an organization or an idea and deem it 
unhealthy or shitty or wrong and state that it is no longer allowed to exist amongst them because it is not favorable to them. Cancel culture being one of these toxicities that told the youth that one is unable to grow from past mistakes, that they are and always will be the same person, idea, organization that they always were. Now, more specifically, we're going to be talking about individuals and people when talking about cancel culture. As we know, actually, as older folk know, maybe 26 plus, 25 plus, we were on MySpace, right? We were on the internet in the, you know, mid 2000s, 2006 to 2012. It was very prominent for us. We know how edgy content, edgy humor, being edgy in general was extremely popular. A lot of people know Jeffree Star now as being a makeup mongol on YouTube. But maybe not a lot of people know that he was a musical artist on MySpace and was very edgy. That was his brand. And that's what people loved and gravitated towards. And a lot of the humor that we consumed during those times were very outlandish, insensitive. That's what we liked. And that's what was fed to us. Now in 2021, those things do not fly. People don't like that. Now that social media has become such a big and prominent things in people's lives. And it, and more people have access to the internet and to these social medias. It means that more people for the first time ever now have a voice. Minorities now have a voice. People who are always victimized now have a voice. And now people want to speak up. They're tired of being silenced. They're tired of being walked all over. And now, not only are they speaking up, they're yelling. They're taking things out on other people. They're being loud, angry, aggressive. This is the first time in their lives that they are actually able to be heard. And fucking damn it, they're going to be heard. And so now that people are more aware of what is wrong and how people should be treated. Now that it is shown to them on a daily basis and now ingrained to their minds how they should treat other people. Now they want to take out those frustrations out on others. How did someone back then, 10 plus years ago, get away with the things that they said, the things that they created? That won't fly now and they should pay for causing harm on others. And that's cancel culture. You were really racist 10 years ago. You are still racist now. Cancelled. Anything you have to say for yourself, invalid. But as we know, people grow. 
in time, people change. A couple of months to a year is a long time for a person. And a person can really change who they are in that time span. Now we take 10 years, they can be a completely different person with a completely different way of thinking, a completely different mindset, values and morals and way of life. So to tell someone that they are who they were 10 years ago is extremely problematic because as we all know, we are not the same person we were a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago. With age, for most people, comes different perspectives, different life lessons, and it changes you, hopefully for the better. So for cancel culture to exist is so extremely toxic, and it's only getting worse. And as we know, the internet is mostly run by children. A lot of the most famous internet creators, content creators, are advertising and making content for whom? children when you're on tiktok and you're seeing all these opinions and all these people being canceled they're from children from like 9 to 15 years old these children do not have well most of these children don't have that much life experience they don't have enough life they haven't experienced enough of life of people to formulate proper, healthy opinions. For them, most children are living in a bubble. That bubble being them, their school, their friends. It's very small at this point in time in their lives. And so what they're able to formulate opinion-wise are also very narrow. I do believe that mob mentality is an extremely toxic thing and the the want to be accepted and to be heard and to be part of something contributes to council culture. Once someone starts talking shit at someone and it snowballs, snowballs and everybody else starts talking shit at that person, more people join in just because it's the thing to do at that point in time. They might not even have an opinion on the matter. They might not even know exactly what they're saying, but they're saying it. Why? Because they want to fit in. They want to be part of something larger than themselves. And this goes into another thing that social media is extremely toxic about. Shit talking, being malicious, taking things out on other people. As we know, social media is not real life. When you're on social media, and you have all these people talking shit. When you see them in person, it's highly likely, mostly guaranteed, that they're not that person they are online. Being behind a screen makes you a lot more confident. Being behind a K-pop idol's profile photo, an anime photo, not showing your real face, not displaying your real name, not being not actually being who you really are gives a person a lot more confidence in speaking without a filter 
They do not think before they speak. They do not act. They do not think before they act. They just do. And in doing so, cause extremely toxic behaviors and mindsets. And that in turn affects others. So now that I explained all that, (laughs) how does that relate to boundaries and healthy relationships? With all this toxicity that comes from social media, how would you combat this? How would you get away from this? By creating boundaries. And with those boundaries, you will be able to have a healthy relationship with social media, with interacting with online personas. You will have a healthy relationship with materialism and with your own self-worth. If you can create a boundary for yourself and say, I'm only going to be on social media on these days for these hours at these times, you will be you won't fall into the trap of scrolling for hours on hours on hours and being manipulated by the media that you're consuming. You can't forget that we are all fed algorithms. Do you watch something? You get fed similar content. You watch that content, you get fed even similar content. And then your algorithm becomes specific to you and to what you're watching. You might think that everybody has this opinion on something and the same type of humor. But in reality, it's your algorithm that is specifically made for you. Taking at least acknowledging that or taking time out of your day to go out into the real world, you will realize that social media is not real life. You will realize that the content that you will realize that the content that you're consuming daily, hourly, every minute is not the same content that your brother is consuming That your best friend is consuming, that your neighbor is consuming, that your classmates are consuming, that your coworkers are consuming. Everybody is different. Everybody is an individual. Therefore, what they consume is going to be individually tailored to them. Acknowledging that and setting that boundary in your mind will help you from being consumed by it. If you set a boundary up with yourself and you know you're not going to go and cancel an individual, cancel a celebrity without knowing all the facts, without doing your research, you'll be less prone to jump on the cancel culture bandwagon every single time it comes around. If you set up these boundaries with yourself, you are more prone to be an individual. You are more prone to be unique. You are more prone to have your own opinion that is not manipulated by the masses. Let's think of a controversial contra, controversial let's think of a controversial figure. Do you guys know who Nikita Dragon is? If you're on YouTube, you probably do know. 
she is somebody that is viewed as blackfishing, racist, and just an overall not good person. She is a social media content creator villain. As seen by people who consume digital content. Fuck, I forgot what I was going to say about her. Or how I was going to use her as an example. Scratch that. If you tell yourself you are not going to go shit talking on social media. If you're not going to build yourself an anon, anon account, an anonymous account, so you can do whatever you feel like you're going to do and whatever you feel like you want to do and be malicious and hurtful and hateful and racist, homophobic, negative in general. If you build yourself that boundary, you yourself would start to individualize yourself start to form an identity specific to you. We can take this for an example. I'm not too sure if this is a great example, but social media, let's say Twitter, for example, what do a lot of people use Twitter for? Besides talking shit. From what I've heard and experienced, it's porn. It's watching a lot of porn. Now, for myself, I didn't know that this was an issue. And I used to go on there. I used to have my own page for porn. I used to go on it daily, watch what I want to watch, get what I got out of it, and move on with my day. Now, when I started dating and having sexual experiences, it became an issue. And the reason I knew it was an issue was because I was told previously... A couple years back by a friend of mine that you can desensitize yourself to sex by watching porn i thought it was ridiculous but at the time what did, what what did i know i wasn't sexually active and now that i was trying to get sexually active i noticed that maybe i couldn't get hard as fast quickly and for as long as i could with porn so what did i do i deleted that shit real motherfucking quick And I made sure I set a boundary with myself to stop watching pornography, to stop getting on. And what happened? In a pretty short amount of time, I was able to perform perfectly fine in real life, in person. That was a boundary that I set for myself and that I've kept for myself for months, if not a year already. If you can apply that to social media if you go on social media all the time let's say tiktok for example if you're on tiktok for five plus hours a day and on your feed all you see is extremely fit people normal people yes but fit physically fit to the gods they have working out being a part of their lifestyles and it's not a part of yours And you see that so constantly, you start to feel bad about yourself. And you start to second-guess yourself. And you start to think, I should look like that. Remember that you are being fed an algorithm. If you interact with those posts all the time, you like them, you watch them for their full extent of the videos, 
whether they be 15 seconds, 60 seconds, 3 minutes, the algorithm will keep feeding you that content. If you know you're feeling bad about yourself from the content that you're watching, you must set a boundary for yourself, for your own mental health, that you will not consume that content or that you will not consume it for as long as you are consuming it. That you must get back to reality. Because those people's realities are not your reality. And building these boundaries with yourself will help you have a healthy relationship with not only yourself, but with the people around you. If you have boundaries in terms of social media, mass media, and the content you consume, you are less likely to have a mob mentality's opinions and mentality. You are less likely to have your thoughts and ideas manipulated by the content that you are consuming. Building boundaries is the first step to having a healthy relationship to be healthy. Building building boundaries is the first step to becoming healthy. Once you're able to create boundaries in terms of how you consume media, you will then have an easier time interacting with normal people in your day-to-day and real life. Because you won't be all consumed by the media that you are taking in. You will have a better understanding on who you are as a person and how you identify and how you roll. Therefore, you will have an easier time interacting with the masses, with people in your daily life. And in turn, those people will know how to properly interact with you. And that helps build healthy relationships, whether it be with an acquaintance, coworker, a lover or partner, brother or sister, family. You know yourself. You know what you will put up with. So will other people. Because that's exactly how they're going to see you. And that's exactly how they're going to treat you. And if they do try to manipulate you, if they do try to take advantage of you, if they do try to push your buttons, you have boundaries set in place to stop them. And if they don't, your boundaries tell you to get the fuck out of there, to walk away. Once we, as people, normalize boundaries in our media and normalize healthy relationships in our media, we will be a lot better for it. But until then, all we could do is make sure we do it to ourselves and with ourselves. Because then we ourselves will become healthy. We will start building and changing our relationships to be healthy ones. 
and in turn, us and the people around us will be in a healthy dynamic. And then you'll start to see how that, just like our mass media, will start to slowly, subtly spread throughout the people around you. And that, my friends, is episode 8 of Melancholy and Halos. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in with me. Until next time, Sour Crew. Whoopah!